Welcome to Uptown. We appreciate you making us a part of your day. We're here to empower, encourage, and uplift you on your journeys. We invite you to join us. We have Wednesday night Bible study at 6.30 p.m., Sunday service at 11 a.m., and you can watch us online. Glad you're here. Let's begin today's message. Are you glad to be in the house of the Lord this morning? Amen? Amen. Amen. You know, last week um, I, had, I was blessed to talk about Job a little bit. And I used, I gave you a homework assignment. How, how many read the homework assignment? Amen. Amen. Now the rest of you, we're going to have to go to the principal's office. Amen. But, but the, the thing was in Job that I was, the Holy Spirit was really trying to show us was that Job was a righteous man. And that even though that Job was a righteous man, that he still experienced stuff. He still went through stuff. He still asked the questions, why? But God, all-knowing, all-loving, had compassion. He had love. He had grace. He had mercy. And Job was walking in. He had to learn how to forgive, and he had to learn to walk in repentance. Job, God, God just asked Job a question. He said, Job, how did this happen? How did the stars get in the sky and, and, and as powerful as the ocean is, why does it stop right here? And he asked Job a series of questions. And, and as Job was listening to God, God made a statement at very first. He says, Job, he says, prepare yourself like a man. In other words, he was telling Job, prepare yourself in weakness because what I'm about to tell you, Job, and, and you will never be able to comprehend. So that was the first part of Job, learning how to repent and say, well, God, everything is in your hands. But the part of it is, is that as God continued to elevate Job and, and to show Job exactly who he was. By the time we got to the 42nd chapter, Job is repenting on his own. God did not have to tell Job, Job, you're wrong. Now repent. Job had his own conscience, his own spirit, and Job went before God and said, I just didn't understand anything that you were doing. And I repent. But God also says something to Job because I'm going to tell you this, because as we go through things in our own lives, there are also naysayers. I call them haters. Haters will tell you what you can't do because they can't do it. Haters will tell you that, well, you're going through this, so you must be out of God's will. Well, the devil is a lie. Because Jesus Christ died on the cross, he had to go through something. And when he went through something, he brought life to each and every last one of us because he sacrificed his life. I'm, this message this morning is real dear to me because, because I see myself in it. And one of the things that I, I really like doing is being transparent in a lot of things that I do. Amen? 
Because, because me, like, I'm just, I'm just Greg, but God has blessed me to be senior pastor of this church. But that doesn't mean I'm still not Greg. Greg has weaknesses. Greg has faults. Greg's, Greg goes through different things and different stages in his life. Greg argues with people. Oh, I said that out loud, didn't I? Well, I should have never said that. But Greg goes through different things in his life. But does that mean I'm out of God's will? No. That means that what God told Job, he said, prepare yourself as a man. That I'm weak. And only God has all the answers. Only God knows my heart. Only God, just like we sung the song, that song really touched me when, he, when, 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 when Shelby and them were singing it about, about I'm the only one has to go before God, not you. It's me. When I take my last breath, you ain't going to be there. I'm, like I told you like last week, T.D. Jakes made a statement that is just so funny to me, but it's so true. He said, I don't care how I get into heaven. If I got to slide in on my belly, that's the way I'm going to get there. We do all these things trying to be righteous and trying to be right before God, but the only thing God wants is your heart. Amen. That's what he wants. This message today is last week I, 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 I was talking about Job and, 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 the, and, and the thing was I said, do you have the answers? That's what I said last week the, because that's what God was asking Job. Do you have the answers? This week, Jesus has the answers. Do you want to find the answers? That's, that's the question sometimes. I'm like most of you. But, but when I, like I said, when I'm talking about this this morning, it seems like I'm talking about myself. Because when I see these young men and young women, 17, 16 years old in the streets, and they're dying in the streets, I remember my own youth. I remember living out of my mother's house and my grandmother's house, and, and, and they were righteous women. I'm, I'm talking about they, were, they took us to church, but I wanted something else because what they were doing was boring. I didn't want to sit in Bible study. Grandma used to have Bible study on Wednesday night, and me and my uncle used to look at each other, and bing, we out the door. Because in our minds, we're thinking that the streets or the world was more exciting. I hear people say consistently with these confused looks on their faces and, and they're trying to find answers. Why did this happen and, and, and why did this happen? And, and sometimes you, you can't give an answer because you don't know an answer. And, and I'm tired of people trying to make up an answer. 
If you don't know, just say, I don't know. But the world takes no prisoners. It's either death or the penitentiary. Life. One or the other. The world takes no prisoners. There's nothing good in the world. People have to learn the reasons why other people are doing things. And when we learn the reasons why they're doing things, then we're able to help them find the answer. Jesus came to show us the power of love is greater than hate. I have never figured out why someone would hate somebody if they never met them before. I'm still trying to figure that out. How can you hate somebody and you ain't never met them? But that's the world's way of teaching and thinking. I know it's an old cliche. We hear it. Love your brother. But that has so much power in it because Jesus Christ came and he loved us exactly where we are. Exactly in the state that you are. He came and loved you. I have never seen nobody die for somebody who's not worthy. Jesus Christ died upon that cross because he deemed each and every last one of us worthy. That's something all by itself. Because if you want to be true with yourself, when we see senseless lives being lost, what did they die for? What purpose? The world gave them an image that they're supposed to stand up and, 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 and say, well, you disrespected me. But then one's dead and other going to the penitentiary and doing life. That's not life at all. Earlier I said Jesus came to give us life and life more abundantly. But the front part of that scripture says that the devil came to steal, kill, and destroy. What does he want to destroy? He wants to destroy all your destiny, purpose, vision, and everything else. Like I said, this message has it's like I'm talking to myself or talking to a younger version of Greg. Amen. We as a church have gotten so far off course that the church is starting to look like the world in certain aspects. And we wonder why people don't want to come into the house of the Lord. Because they're missing the thing that they're looking for. 
What they're looking for is love. What they're looking for is meet me right where I'm at. Don't judge me. Meet me. If I took a stroll and threw my past out like that, you would say, woo-wee, my God. And now he's senior pastor of a church? But grace be to him who died on the cross for me. That my past is wiped away clean. Was it given to me? No. I had to work. I had to trust God. When the naysayers or the haters said you couldn't do this, God said, yes, you can. One of the things I said when God first blessed me to take over the church, I said, we're going to have 50 or more ministers in this church. And everybody's going to exercise and walk in their own gifts. And, 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 and the thing about that is this, is because sometimes we don't see it, we don't believe it. But I see it and I believe it. Amen. See? I see young men, young women walking in this church and I see them saying, Pastor, what can I do? And I'm going to ask them, what do you want to do? And I'm saying this because, because when I read the scriptures, Jesus made a statement. He said, follow me. He didn't tell him you had to wait two years and show me your faithfulness. He didn't say, well, in the next nine years, if you show me this, then you can be a disciple of mine. He didn't say none of that. Only thing he said was, follow me. All men and women have to do is follow Jesus. Simple. Amen? Now, like I said, I, I don't have all the answers, so I'm not going to sit up and tell you I have all the answers, but I'm going to get into the Word and let God speak for himself. Amen? My text is going to come out of Philippians, but I'm going to use a verse in Matthew to set it up. Amen? Matthew 13, 20, 36 reads like this. Then Jesus sent the multitude away and they went into the house. And his disciples came to him saying, explain to us the parable of the tares of the field. See, I don't have all the answers, but God does. See, Jesus just gave them a parable. And they didn't understand what was going on. So what Jesus did was this. He said, why don't y'all just come on into the house and sit down. And I explain it to you. What I'm saying this morning is this. Is that when you walk into the house of the Lord, you may be going through different things in your life. But the Holy Spirit 
will give you what you need. He will give you the answer you're looking for. He took him into the house to give him answers because they were searching. All of us are searching for something. This is why I walk into the church. I, I, my wife says sometimes, you know, I, I come up in here and I stay in here and, and I just do my thing and I'm happy. But I also have to find a balance. See? The balance is that I understand that God is God. He's the king of kings. But I also have a family and I also have a wife. These are things that, like I said, these are things I'm constantly learning. Amen? But they had to go into the house. Jesus said, can, I can just imagine this, you know, they're all sitting there and Jesus gave them the parable and they got this bewildered look on their face like, what? And then Jesus says, okay, why, why don't, why don't y'all just come on in the house and y'all sit down and, and there's some water over there and let me explain this to you. I want to go into Philippians chapter 1, verses 1 through 18, and let me read this. And then Paul and Timothy, bond servants of Jesus Christ, to all the saints in Jesus Christ who are in Philippi, with bishops and deacons, grace to you and peace from God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. I thank my God upon remembrance of you, always in every prayer of mine, making request for you with, with, uh, with joy for your fellowship in the gospel from the first day until now, being confident of this very thing, that he who began a good work in you will complete it until the day of Jesus Christ just as it is right for me to think this of you because I have you in my heart in as much as both in my chains and in the defense and the confirmation of the gospel. You are all partakers with me of the grace. For God is my witness how greatly I long for you all with affection of Jesus Christ. In this I pray that your love may abound still more and more in knowledge and all discernment. Verse 10, that you may approve the things that are excellent, that you, that you may also be sincere without offense until the day of Christ. See, that's, that's the real key is he's saying without offense. It's like sometimes we, gotta, we can't get offended because when someone comes to you in love, and they're trying to help you. Don't get offended. But you know what the key to that is? Build the relationship. Build the relationship first. Don't just sit in here for 30 years and they sitting on the other side for 30 years. And all of a sudden you think you're going to get up and walk over there after 30 years and say, hey, you know, I think maybe you need to do this. That's not working. But if you got a relationship, you got a relationship, I can walk up to Brother Tommy and say, hey, Brother Tommy, you know, blah. And Brother Tommy can walk up to me because of the relationship. I'm not offended 
Amen? Verse 11. And being filled with the fruits of righteousness, which are by Jesus Christ to the glory of the praise of God. But I want you to know, brethren, that the things which happened to me have actually turned out for the, for, for the firmness of the gospel. Verse 13. So that it has become evident to the whole palace guard and all the rest that my chains are in Christ. Verse 14. And most of the brethren in, in and most of the brethren in the Lord, having become confident of my, by my chains, are, are much more bold to speak the word without fear. Key, I want you to hold on to that. Some indeed preach Christ even from envy and strife, and some, out of, and some from goodwill. The former preached Christ from selfish ambition and not sincerity, supposing and adding affliction to my chains, but the latter out of love, knowing that I am appointed for the defense of the gospel. What then only that every way, whether in pretense or in truth, Christ is preached, and this I rejoice. Yes, I rejoice. Amen. Amen. Paul is talking to the church. What Paul is doing right now, he is encouraging them because they are going through many difficulties. How amazing is it and inspiring to be a witness for the kingdom of God in the face of pressure, problems, persecution, with grace and dignity and patience and joy. See, these are the things that we forget sometimes when we're going through something. When we're looking for the answer to the question is sometimes it's how am I reacting to it? Am I reacting to it in a way that I shut everybody down? I don't want to hear anything. Or am I reacting to it with dignity? Let me give you an example. The Bible said that when Jesus was going to the cross and they're pulling on his hair, he's, the Bible said, and, and, and they're pulling out his beard and they put the crown of thorns on his head. The Bible said he didn't say a mumbling word. I thought about that for a minute. Because I know me. I'm talking about I'd have been hollering and screaming and everything else. Like, Joker, if you come one more time with trying to pull me, I'm talking, I'd have went through it. But Jesus Christ didn't say a mumbling word. When he pulled out them cattails, I can just hear them hitting the ground. Clack, 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 clack. I'm sorry to say, but probably would have told everything I knew. But I'm just being honest. I'm not going to sit up here and say, well, you know, uh, praise the Lord and God would have protected me. No, them cattails would have hurt. But Jesus did all of that for us. With grace, dignity, patience, and joy. 
Paul is encouraging, encouraging them to draw strength from the Lord. To look at their problems through the love of Jesus Christ and rejoice in the Lord. Paul understands the congregation in Philippi is facing a challenge within as well as out. Doesn't that sound like us sometimes? That, 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 that we look good, but we're still going through stuff within. I go to work every day, and that stuff is, I'm talking about, i be honest. It's like sometimes it just get on my nerves. A competitive, self-seeking atmosphere will poison fellowship. Let me say that again. A competitive, self-seeking atmosphere will poison fellowship, disagreements, and petty bickering troubled their fellowship in this church. What does this sound like right now? Sound like the church. In 2021, we have to be able to break those kind of chains. We have to be able to stand on the foundation of Christ Jesus and recognize that we have our own weaknesses. When I stand before God, I want to stand before God and hear my good and faithful servant that you've done everything that you possibly could. But you know what the key is? He's not going to judge me how many mission trips I went to. He's going to judge my heart. How did I love that person who did me wrong? Did I forgive him? You know, we have this thing in our head, and it's funny to me. I I forgive, but I won't forget. Well, then you ain't forgave me. See, how can you forgive me, but you won't forget it? Doesn't make sense. Because every time I see you, you're looking for me to say, hey, hey, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Be admired. You know, you got the sharpen card, and you see old Joker walk up to you, and, and, and he's looking for you to say, hey, man. You know, I remember what you did in 95. <laughs> it don't make sense. If you're going to forgive me, forgive me and let me move on. Because I will not allow you to control my life. Amen? Paul is talking about his own hardships and his circumstance in prison to encourage them so they get their perspective back. See, that is something so important for the church, is that we get our perspective back. Paul wants the church to understand that Jesus' example is what leadership looks like as a servant. His example, not my example, his example what leadership looks like being a servant. Amen? 
Paul doesn't want to progress the, do- the, the gospel to be hindered by attitudes of a few professing Christians in Philippi. See, that, let, me, let me break this down in this context. Grandma used to say that only a few bad apples in the bushel can spoil the whole basket. Why? Because when you go to the bushel and the first apple you pick up got the worm in it, you don't want nothing to do with the rest of the basket. But all, all the rest of the apples are good. But in your mind, your perception, in your mind, you're thinking all the rest of the worm, apples got worms in it too. These are the things we have to change. We have to change the thinking, the perception. If we want to move the gospel of Jesus Christ, then we have to move the gospel of Jesus Christ in such a way and meet people right where they are. There's no judgment. Because like I said, if I took the stroll of my life and just threw it out, who can I judge? I can't judge nobody. Been there, done that. And Paul is saying the same thing because what did Paul used to do before he was Paul? He was Saul and he did what? He was persecuting Christians. He was killing them. So Paul is saying, in a nutshell, is that I'm not looking at you and telling you and judging you because I've been through this, but allow me to help you through it. Look how Paul addresses the saints. In the first verse, he He associates the saints with Jesus Christ. He identifies Timothy and himself as servants of Jesus Christ and giving them a servant mindset of leadership, a mindset he is making throughout the letter. Note, Paul does not state his apostleship. And I thought that was very interesting because in the rest of the Gospels or the rest of the epistles, what Paul has done, he makes sure that he says, that he's an apostle of Jesus Christ. Why didn't he do it here? Because he wanted them to relate to him right where he was. He didn't want to use his authority over him. And that's something that we have to understand too, is that those of us who are in authority or have an authority position, we can't use our authority over people. Because what the end result is, is that you're weak and you're going to make mistakes. But if you allow the Holy Spirit to work through you, then you can meet somebody right where they are. Amen? Verse 2, he says, and to the blessings and uh, are, are everything found in Jesus Christ. He says grace and peace. These are the blessings that we have to look for is grace and peace. See, if we find grace, you'll find peace. You'll find peace, you'll find grace. Why? It's because if I'm walking in grace, in other words, my eye, you know, like the scripture says, the plank in my eye, you know, that big old long thing. 
that plank. If I'm walking in grace, then, then I'm not taking that plank and throwing it around at everybody. Now we are able to walk in peace and grace. How do you relate to people? You relate to people by your willingness to give your heart. Your willingness to sit down and listen. Not in a judgmental attitude. Paul is not judging them. Paul met Lydia down by the river. Earlier when he went there, he met Lydia down by the river and he and now, see, this is something also. I know I'm going to hit some toes this morning, but, but this is something also. Paul met Lydia down by the river, and, and Lydia actually started the church. So what does that tell me? That tells me that God will use anybody. He says, the Bible says that I shall pour out my spirits on my daughters and my sons. Why, why do we want to stop these young women from exercising their gifts in the kingdom of God? They have a vision and a destiny just like everybody else. Paul also, during this time, he cast out the, the demon out of the slave girl, got the jailer saved. But now he's addressing the church because the church is going through something. He's expressing confidence in what God is doing, that their confidence should be only in Jesus. Are you hearing me this morning? That your confidence only should be in Jesus. What, what made people fall was that they focused so much on man. And then when the man failed, they failed. And Paul is trying to explain to the church in Philippi that your confidence should be in Jesus. He is the only one that when I read, he says he was tempted in every way yet without sin. Tempted in every way, yet without sin. A few weeks ago, I talked about his family. That Jesus grew up with brothers and sisters. And that even his brothers and sisters didn't believe that he was the Messiah. Until after his crucifixion. So, can you imagine what he went through internally with his own family? He had family issues. That's what the Bible is teaching us. He had family issues. But the thing about it was, was this, that Jesus showed us how to love our families and still continue with our own destiny. Amen? Paul is stressing that we need to let people know that we care and we love them. He made mention that how, 
how they were in his heart. And that he prayed for them. Why? Because they are all partakers with him in the gospel of Jesus Christ, trying to draw people to God. The Bible said this. It said, said that Jesus, when he gave that parable of the sheep, the lost sheep, he said, I'm not, he said, the 99, I'm not worried about you guys. I need to go get him or her. But how is he going to go get him or her when we're not willing to do it? See, I always make this point is, is, is when a young man comes walking through that door, and I know he's going through something. Me being transparent enough to be able to sit down and talk to him, build a relationship with him, and let him know that everything is going to be all right in the end because of my own testimony, my own life. But if we're not willing to share what God has delivered us from, how will anybody else know? I, I even give the example of a young girl walking through the door and she just want to come to church. She don't know. But you women who are in the church, gravitate to her. Show her. Love on her. Help her. Tell her your own testimony, your own ups and downs. Amen? What I'm really trying to get the church to understand today is the transparency. Is that we must be true. If, if people are looking for answers and they're coming into the house of the Lord, we must be led by the Holy Spirit in order to give them the answers. Don't be afraid of your past. Don't be afraid of what you went through because somebody else is looking for that. Amen? 1 Corinthians. This will explain it. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 21 through 26. Now, now listen to how the Bible reads this. And the eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need for you. Nor again the head to the feet, I have no need for you. No, much rather those members of the body which seem to be weaker are necessary. And those members of the body which think to be less honorable, on those bestow great, greater honor. And our unprecedented parts the King James read uncomblies, parts have great modesty, but our presentable parts have no need, but God composed the body, having given great honor to the parts that which lack, that there should be no sarcasm in the body, but that the members should have the same care Listen, the same care for one another. And if one member suffers, all members suffers with it. Or if one member is honored, all members rejoice with it. Now that's something, isn't it? 
Because I know when I stub my toe, my whole body feels it. I'm, I'm walking around like, oh, my God. And, and you know what the old saying is, what's in you come out? I'm like, oh, Jesus. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> but, it, but the Bible is truth. Your little, your big toe will affect all the rest of your, your brain will lose its senses. You'll be walking, tears will start coming out your eyes. You'll be hopping around, looking like you're doing double dutch. And then you can't wait for the pain to stop. And then once it stops, you get all macho again. Yeah, I'm good. It didn't hurt. <laughs> it didn't hurt. I'm, I'm tight, you know. <laughs> but that's how the body is. Everything is connected to everything. And, and the point I'm trying to make is that, is, that, is that being in the gospel of Jesus Christ means that we're all connected. But it's about relationship. It's about building those relationships. It's about understanding that those relationships can help your big toe one day. It's being transparent enough to say, yeah, I, I stubbed my big toe. Yeah, I did. And, and it hurt for a while, but, you know, it, it stopped. Jesus Christ. Paul truly meant what he said. I, I long for you with affection of the Jesus Christ. And, and the term literally means a deep interlove. Feeling we have when we are moved to tears. That's what it literally means. Affection. Have, have you ever watched a bride and a groom when they get married? Talking about this, this big old macho man I'm talking about, he's lifting all kind of weights and, and all of a sudden this woman comes walking down the aisle and all you see is tears streaming down his face. Why? Because that deep affection of love. You might not never see him cry again, but that day, as his bride is approaching him, you see that deep affection of love. And this is what Paul is trying to get across. He's trying to say that this deep inner love that I have for you. See, what I'm also trying to say is this, is that through relationships, you develop this deep inner love for one another. See, relationship is the key. The Bible says when we develop a relationship with Jesus Christ, then all these other things start falling away. Why? I'm I, be honest with you. I quit smoking in 1992. Somebody walked up to me. I was smoking a cigarette, and I put one out, 
and I lit, lit it off the other one, and, 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 and the brother walked up to me, and he said this to me. He said, Greg, you plan on living? I looked at him, I almost got offended. What do you mean? He said, you keep smoking and putting one out and lighting another. He said, you ain't going to make it. I had all kind of light bulbs hit my head. August of 1992 as the last time I smoked a cigarette. Why? Because I made a choice for my abundance in life. I'm not saying it's for everybody else. I'm saying this is what Greg did. And was it easy? No. It was not easy. I was hiding smoking. I, was, I went around the corner smoking. Because I'm... <laughs> I'm trying to say, well, I'm standing on faith. Lord, I'm standing on faith, but I'm, he's looking at everything I'm doing. I want to read something out of the Gospel of John, if I may. And, and, and you want to hear a deep affection? This is Jesus speaking. I'm going to start on chapter 17, verse 9. I'm going to read a few verses. And now this is Jesus he says, I pray for them. I do not pray for the world, but for those whom you have given me, for they are yours. And all mine are yours, and yours are mine, and I am glorified in them. Now I am no longer in the world, but these are in the world, and I come to you, Holy Father, and keep them in your name, those whom you have given me, that they may be one as we are one. While I was with them in the world, I kept them in your name. Those whom you gave me, I kept. And none of them is lost except for the son of perdition, that the scripture might be fulfilled. But now I come to you, and these things I speak in the world, that they may have my joy and fulfilled in themselves. Verse 14, I have given them your word. Listen to what Jesus is saying. He says, I have given them your word, and the world has hated them because they are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. I, did not, I, I do not pray that you should take them out of the world, but that you should keep them from the evil one. Verse 16, that they are not of the world just as I am not of the world. Sanctify them by your truth, and your word is the truth. In other words, sanctify means to be separated. Verse 18, as you sent me into the world, I also have sent them into the world. Mm, that's very interesting, isn't it? And for their sakes, I sanctify myself, that they also may be sanctified by the truth. I do not pray for those alone, but also for those who will believe in me through their word. Hmm. Real interesting, isn't it? He said, I pray for those who will believe in me through their word. Very interesting. 
Why would Jesus say that? Because he knew that we were going to go through different challenges and things in our lives. But he also knew that if we stood on the foundation that he set before us, when we speak, we're speaking the word of God. Simple. We don't have to get all super spiritual and super holy. All we have to do is keep it, is keep it real. That's all we have to do. In the kingdom of God, if, if, I, if I really look through the scriptures, I've never seen Jesus get super spiritual. If he got super spiritual, then he never would have said, Zacchaeus, come down, I'm going to sup with you. Instead, what he did, he seen Zacchaeus, and he knew Zacchaeus had a need, and he said, oh, Everybody is keep shunning this man because he's a tax collector and they and they and they ostracized him. But let me let me show everybody what I'm going to do. Zacchaeus, come on down. Today I'm going to your house and we're going to eat and break bread. What does that mean? That means that Jesus went into the house. He built a relationship with Zacchaeus. And as he was building a relationship with Zacchaeus, do you know what happened? Zacchaeus looked at Jesus and he said, huh, well, well, Lord, if, if I've done any wrong to anybody, I'll give back this and more. In other words, Jesus didn't make Zacchaeus repent. Zacchaeus recognized his own faults and repented. That's all we have to do. All we have to do is be willing to love an individual right where they're at. Be willing to administer grace, mercy, and truth right where they're at. They'll be convicted within them own selves to repent to God. They don't have to repent to me. They repent to God. Look at the scripture. That's a homework assignment. Go look at it. Jesus not one time told Zacchaeus to repent. Read it. It came upon himself. Zacchaeus did it himself. Amen? Are you getting something out of this this morning? Amen? I'm about to close up a little here because I know you guys got some chicken and stuff waiting. <laughs> Amen? <laughs> but I want us to be bold as a church. I want us to be able to express our love for Christ Jesus. I want us not to be afraid to tell others how God delivered us. Salvation, the word salvation alone only means deliverance. How did God deliver you from this? I, I, I tell people, all you got to do is ask. I'll sit down and, and, and tell you my whole story if you got enough time. But how many hours in a day? 24. Just bring a lunch bucket. 
Because how God has delivered me. And you know that stroll? That joker is long. But you know what God did? He put the blood of Jesus on that joker. And he says, I remember it no more. I remember it no more. I, I always revert back to this because, because the very first sin was Adam, right? It was Adam's disobedience. He, God said, don't do this, and Adam did it anyways. But when I read the scripture, I need another homework assignment. When I read the scripture, God has never mentioned Adam sin again. He started him all over again with Seth. And Seth means new beginning. And he started him all over again. Man does this. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. In other words, man got a number for everything you've done. But what God does is this. One, two, one. Start you all over again. One, two, one. Oh, Lord, I messed. One, two, one. Start all over again. We have to remember this. Is that, is that no matter what I do, no matter what my shortcomings is, no matter what my weakness is, God will start me all over again. He holds no record of our sins. If that was the case, then Jesus would have never went to the cross. But what is up to us, we must remember what Job did. He said, God made a statement. He said, Job, pray for them haters. Pray for them. And then when Job prayed for the haters, he, he honored Job's prayer. In other words, it was a forgiveness. Job had to acknowledge that, that, that you are the all-knowing God. Yes, I might be going through this circumstance and I may be going through this situation, but, but it's, it's you that I trust. And I admit my weaknesses before you, God. We must understand it as like Zacchaeus did, that I got supper with the Lord. And the only thing he did was fellowship with me. The only thing he did was speak his word in my life. And then I repented. I recognized my own faults and repented. My own weaknesses and repented. Want people to come back into the house of the Lord? Show them who you are. Show them the men and women that you are. Build the relationship with them. Don't tell them, you got to do this and you got to do this and you got to do this. 
Because the only thing they're going to do is turn around and leave. But exercise mercy, grace, love. Then the scripture comes true. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. And love your neighbor as you love yourself. Because if we're honest with us, with each other, the last thing I want somebody to do who don't even know me, don't even have a relationship with me, come to me and say, point their finger at me. What are you pointing your finger at me for? You don't even know me. But somebody who, who have, I have a relationship with I am receptive. How do, we, how do we build this kind of relationship out here in the world? Be transparent. How do you get these young men and women? Be transparent. Don't walk around like you're floating. Oh, I'm floating on the cloud. Be transparent, church. Know that Jesus Christ died for each and every last one of us. Don't stop somebody from building a relationship with someone, with Jesus Christ, because we think that we're up here. If you're down here, then everything else falls down. Then God is able to work. Amen? I pray you guys got something out of this this morning. Like I said, this message was really dear to my own heart because it seemed like I was talking to myself.